Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Matt Fry. Well, it's that time of the programme when we are very lucky that uh, things are stirring on the east coast of America. That people who are fast asleep are getting up and one of them is Simon Mark. Simon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How it, are you? It, very well. And it's so nice to speak to you because it's been a very, very long time. Um, <clears throat> as our cherished Washington correspondent, I want to start with you by discussing the extraordinary scenes on Capitol Hill this week where mm. the heads of some of the most illustrious, well-funded universities on planet Earth were being bashed around by congressmen and congresswomen about their stance on you know, the safety of Jewish students inside their universities and the inability of them to come up with what should have been quite an easy line when it comes to protecting their safety. Tell us more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was a disaster for the presidents of three Ivy League institutions here in the United States. The, 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 the tutti frutti of American education, the presidents of Harvard University, uh, Penn in Pennsylvania and the Massachusetts uh, Institute of Technology, MIT, found themselves, uh, before a congressional committee, uh, testifying about what have been, uh, claims by Jewish students at several institutions, including those three, that they don't feel safe and secure because of uh, permission that has been given uh, for pro-Palestinian demonstrations to take place on campuses, at which calls have been heard in all three uh, Mm. locations uh, for uh, intifada forever. And uh, Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of New York uh, translated intifada forever as essentially being a call for genocide uh, against uh, Jews. And she challenged these uh, three university chiefs to say whether uh, calling for genocide, as she put it, on university campuses would be deemed by their universities an act uh, of abuse and harassment and would trigger action against the students Mm. who had been voicing those calls. And in each case, the university presidents struggled to answer the question because they first of all, didn't really appear to see that question coming. And to the extent that they did, they had highly legal uh, phraseology available to them, very defensive of America's First First Amendment rights of free speech. I think we've got a clip of it, right, Matt? Yeah, I think we have. Let's listen. Let's take a listen. At MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? If targeted at individuals, not making public statements yes or no calling for the genocide of jews does not constitute bullying and harassment i have not heard calling for the genocide for jews on our campus but you've heard chants for intifada i've heard chants which can be anti-semitic depending on the context when calling for the elimination of the jewish people so those would not be according to the mit's code of conduct or rules that would be um, investigated of, as harassment, if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. 
It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. Well, there we go. Uh, so is your testimony... Well, I mean, it's extraordinary stuff, isn't it, Simon? I would, however, point out that, you know, calling for intifada or uprising is not the same as calling for genocide. Yes, well, well, precisely. Of course, that is what many observers argue. But you see, what was taking place there was yeah. uh, a Republican congresswoman determined yeah. uh, to open her, her, her jaws like a crocodile and trap them within it. And she succeeded. Uh, and she succeeded. And as a result, those three presidents are facing widespread calls for their resignation. And at least two of them, I think three by now, uh, have all either apologized for what they said or issued clarifications of their remarks. And it's still very unclear whether they're going to make it through the weekend. That, I mean, the other thing, of course, I think with one of them, in the case of Harvard, it, correct me if I'm wrong, some major funding has been pulled. Not that Harvard is missing any meals. They've got 48 billion in their kitty. But no, no I think it was Penn. Penn State, um, a major funder has withdrawn 100 million, which is a sizable sum, uh, although probably a minor dent on their coffers. Yes, and at Harvard you've had a very prominent uh, rabbi who has quit Harvard's anti-Semitism uh, committee, saying that he can no longer be associated with the institution. I mean, this became a chapter essentially in the Republicans' war on woke here in the United States. This was the Republicans saying, this is a very, very easy question to answer. And for Republicans, it is an easy question to answer because they view the conflict in the Middle East as absolutely binary. Mm. The Republicans, writ large, Donald Trump on down, back Israel to the hilt. It's the Democrats sure. that are finding it so difficult to navigate uh, the crisis in the Middle East. Uh, and, and Joe Biden, who is under fire from all sides for the position uh, that he has taken. And we're seeing that now for Joe Biden translate uh, into lower approval ratings. CNN poll this week, 37% approval for Joe Biden, the lowest on record since the poll started taking those numbers. Uh, and so this is, uh, you know, this, for these university professors this was just one example of mm. a larger political impact domestically here in the united states of the conflict uh, in the middle east because when it comes to the the jewish uh, american vote it has always been said in the past has it not that that's mainly a democrat vote and i wonder if that is still the case or whether you know it's split now between you know supporters of israel jewish americans who think it's got to be the republicans because they're totally on the side of Israel, you know, and its war against Hamas. And then those Jewish Americans who don't like what's going on and maybe not going to vote at all. And then there's the Arab American vote in places like Michigan. We mentioned this mm. early in the program that might stay at home. Then there's the youth vote that might say these people, you know, Biden is too, you know, too pro-Israel, not pro-Palestinian enough. We're not going to vote either. I mean, this, all, this is all fed into the domestic presidential calculations as never before. Yes, absolutely. And it's a nightmare for Joe Biden. I mean, it's always obviously very difficult to, to generalize. There is no monolithic Jewish American vote. There's no monolithic Arab American sure. vote. Uh, but there is no question that Joe Biden is losing ground in both communities among some Jewish Americans, because they see him as the man who has tried to restrain Benjamin Netanyahu from going further uh, in Gaza, even than Israeli forces have already gone. And then, of course, from Arab Americans, including some funders, a couple of 
prominent funders of Joe Biden uh, in Michigan and elsewhere who are Ab- Arab Americans who within the last 10 days have said, I am no longer raising a penny for him. I am appalled by the extent to which mm. he has given Israel the green light to pursue uh, the actions that the IDF has taken in Gaza. And once you start losing the support of Arab American voters in a state like Michigan, a battleground state where the future of the presidency is going to be determined next November. That's catastrophic for a president who is already facing very challenging opinion poll numbers and cannot confidently predict, even though he did it last night uh, at an appearance, uh, uh, Joe Biden cannot confidently predict that he is going to slay the Donald Trump dragon. Assuming that Donald Trump And this may be a silly assumption, but let's assume for a minute he's going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. And certainly his numbers are incredibly high at the moment inside that uh, camp. Who's in more trouble here? Trump, the potential convict, you know, or Biden, the old man who's falling between different stools? Well, it depends partly on the timetable uh, that lies ahead for Donald Trump's legal woes, because if the Trump campaign can continue uh, throwing chaff into the system and delaying court appearances and pushing everything back, uh, then whether he is a convicted felon facing the possibility of jail time by the time we reach next November uh, is, I think, uh, questionable. Um, Donald Trump is exuding confidence at the moment, and not just exuding confidence, but making absolutely clear plans uh, with members of his inner circle publicly to roll back American democracy if he is elected uh, next November Mm. and return to the Oval Office. And the polls give him reason to exude confidence. Who would have imagined, uh, Matt, that we are at the end of 2023 and poll after poll after poll would show that Donald Trump, were the election held today, could expect to be measuring up Mm. the the Oval Office curtains and, and planning to move back into the building. Uh, So Joe Biden is confounded by the fact Mm. that he's presiding over uh, an economic recovery here in the United States, but the voters aren't giving giving him credit for it, and what they are doing is is, uh, trouble. They're troubled, uh, as far as he's concerned, by his record on issues like Gaza and other foreign policy and domestic policy issues. He's got to find a way out of this doom spiral uh, that he currently finds himself in. Okay, one word answer. Can Nikki Haley replace Donald Trump Yes or no? Maybe. <laughs> Cop out. Simon Marks, thanks very much.